Okay, welcome back to Firewall. I'm your host, Bradley Tusk. This is a Tuesday episode, so with us is our friend and producer, Hugo Lindgren, and uh, our friend and sometimes co-host, Megan Collins. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey. Hi, Bradley. So uh, I think we've got kind of a, a wide variety of stuff today, but I'm told you it, want to start po- with some... It's a potpourri. We're, st- we're sticking with this potpourri terminology? <laughs> I do, I do. I, I, th- I thought that was going to be like a one-show kind I of Can I tell you I know this is, this is going to sound kind of earnest, but it makes me think of my mom in a good way. Okay, then so, we, we, so, so we will like continue it. to use potpourri. potpourri. You got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so you want to start with some sports stuff. Well, I do, and this is very un-potpourri, yeah. um, um, at least in, well, whatever. So there, there's, I, first I want to uh, I beg our, our listeners' pardon a little bit because the, what this podcast is definitely not is two middle-aged white guys sitting around talking about sports. We don't want people to think that's what no it is. No way. Even though we are into sports and right. we do spend a lot of time And, and by the way, if, I, if my dream would be to have that podcast. Right, right. Um, <laughs> well, we, you know what? I, I wouldn't have any, I wouldn't have enough to say that's worthwhile. Well, let, let me but. start. So here's my first question. Uh, for those who don't know, the New York Knicks are having this unbelievable kind of like really exuberant season. They're did not, you watch last night's game? I did. It was just like it was. It, I, 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 it was the best. I think since 1999, it was the best. I most I, I enjoyed. It was like fell asleep on the couch. I woke up. They were losing the third quarter. I was like, that ah, they're due to lose. This was Thursday night, by the way. We're and I this right. Hard. And I just so I didn't put it back on because I was just like, ah, it's fine. You know, they, they can't win every game. And then I woke up and they won. It was incredible. And, yeah. the, and just the whole vibe, it was, it was really unbelievable. So here's my question. The Knicks, do you think there is any connection at all between like the Knicks playing really well and the sense of like civic good health? For, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Tell me, so, explain why. I have a, a very clear example of this. Okay. So in 2000, I think it was 11, the Giants won the Super Bowl. They beat the Patriots. I think that was the helmet catch game. Um, 2012, right? 12. Okay, it was the 2012. 2011 season. And then the yeah, the right. Super Bowl. Right. So, biggest sport in the U.S. is football by a, a lot, right? The biggest game is the Super Bowl. The New York team wins. Like, that should be the, the peak, right? People are excited. They're happy. Jeremy Lin happens 10 days later. I mean, it, it, the Giants' excitement compared to Jeremy Lin, Lin was 10 times, Lin's sanity was 10 times bigger. The people were so much more excited by the Knicks becoming mediocre, going from bad to mediocre with this sort of great story of this guy than they were about the Giants winning the Super Bowl. I, I did love Linsanity. Yeah, it was amazing. I did too. <laughs> and like, I was quite happy when the Giants won that football game, but um, not nearly as happy as I was for Linsanity. Okay, so this that's, is a, that's this is a, tusk, but, but this the, is a basketball the, town. No, this, okay. is, this is a basketball town. It is basketball first. I think that New Yorkers are more excited about the Knicks or care more than any other team. Also, we have one, we literally, I'm 50 and have not won a title in my lifetime. You no, were, in your lifetime. No, right? I was born like a few months after. 1970 was the last one? 73. 73 I was okay. born maybe three months later. Okay. Um, so you're kind of to blame. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I think there's a huge correlation, and I think there's like nothing better for New York than the Knicks playing well, so this is great. And good for Mayor Adams? Yeah. Yeah, is, although is he, is he really, does he go to a lot of games? Are capitalizing on it? I've not seen him... If he goes to games, I mean, he, he would definitely make a big deal if he did. So I haven't, when I've yeah. gone, I've, I've been to not a lot, maybe three or four games this year. I haven't seen it. We're going to have to do some research. Um, on although that. it's interesting because, you know, the, the default for a politician at a game is to get booed. Right. Right. In fact, when, when Mike was mayor. Did he get booed? No. And I knew things were pretty good because he wasn't really getting booed. Right. And then maybe towards the end that was starting. Right. Well, third term wasn't, you know, as, as popular. Um, but I, it, it would be interesting that if Adam showed up at the Gardens as a man with a 28% approval rating, what the reaction would be. Right. Um, but I also think the fans are in a much better mood when the team is winning. Yeah. Yeah. From Obviously. Yeah. Um, okay. 
So we exchanged texts about Larry David's um, desire to do away with field goal kicking. Yeah, it's part of a great kicking. podcast he did with Bo Simmons last Yeah, apparently week. he'd st- talked about that before, but I had not heard about it before. Yeah, he said he yeah. had talked about it right. before on the podcast. I hadn't heard it either. It was but, it was a truly great podcast, him on... on and, and it's just... It's not that any one thing was awesome. It's just that Larry David is such a pleasure to listen he to. He was great, like, and, and their dialogue was yeah, great. And it, was, it was a great episode. Okay, so he wants to get rid of kicking. He just thinks it's like this ridiculous field thing goals. that has... Field goals. But, but also like, uh, extra, like extra points. points. Yeah. So the idea that games are decided on this thing that has nothing to do with the rest of the game strikes him as absurd. And it actually feels right to me. I never really thought about it that way. But then suddenly I'm like, yeah, why? Right. Like the, the kickers are these strange guys who have like very singular skills that don't have anything to do with the rest of the game. So I didn't. So so I, I heard it, too, right. and was interested in it, too, and didn't necessarily have the same feeling as him and you in that like the kickers, the anomaly that has to be solved for, okay. but just more that. I love it when they go for it on fourth down. And I love right. when they do the two-point conversion. And why not make that the rule of the game instead? Okay, so here's my idea to add to it. Is in lieu of the extra point, you'd still have extra points, but you'd have a choice between a one-point conversion from the from where you now do two points, yep. um, a two-point conversion from the five-yard line, and a three-point conversion from the ten-yard line. Huh. So you could actually get a three extra points if you if you took that gamble, pretty, yeah. good, pretty good idea, I, right? I, I would be, you know, so baseball in the last couple of years has been really great about rule changes and, and being innovative, and they experiment a lot in the minor leagues. Now you don't have the NFL minor you have leagues, the United Football League, yeah. Out, so I would be curious, sure, if, if they could just like, ex- I would take your idea and experiment with it somewhere for sure, or even preseason, whatever. But Canadian yeah. Football League, I mean, but I think their just, rules are really different. Just try it up in Canada, yeah, the Argonauts. <laughs> yeah. Arcanauts. I like that you know one team. That's the only team I know. I remember for a long time there were two teams. The Rough Riders, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It was the Rough Riders, and then there was one team that was the Rough Riders, where there was no (laughs) there was no space in between. But then one of them did change. I can't remember which one. It's funny. Abby, um, her whole life, not that she's said it that many times, but you know Westchester, she has always called it like West. And then she pauses and then says Chester. Oh, like Westchester, Pennsylvania. And she's tonight staying at a friend's house from camp in New Rochelle. And last night she lit. I was waiting to see if she did it. She's like, "Yeah, I'm going to Westchester tomorrow." <laughs> I was like, "Awesome." Um, and, and did you ever try to correct? Her I, on the that? first time around, I did, and then I was thought it was cute and funny, and oh so I just God. never. And God. she's uh, she's still such. Okay, a one more boy. sports thing, and then we'll be done, and on to the potpourri. Um, Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so it's it's Kansas City, San Francisco. What's the like? Are are you gonna have a team that you're rooting for going in? Do you not really care? Yeah, uh, What's your... So don't care that much in the sense that it's not like either fan base has been deprived for a long time of a winning team. So like it's not you know it's if if there were a team that hadn't won in decades, and you're like oh it'd be nice for that city and that team to win a Super Bowl. That's not the case here. Yeah. So that it's then for me becomes like what's the narrative I prefer. And there's two, right? The narrative of Mahomes would be if he wins again, you're like, he's still not Brady, but he's at least now in the conversation for the second best football player ever, maybe. Right? So that's kind of cool to see that in in your life. Um, But Brock Purdy as being the last guy selected in his draft, Mr. Irrelevant, did you know, Megan, that they call the... The, the last pick of the last round is called Mr. Irrelevant, and he's the quarterback for the team of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, it's such a great It's a great term. story. It's a great so, term. Yeah, it's a great Mr. term. So, so it's funny. If he had been picked one spot above, nobody would care. Yeah. But because he was Mr. Irrelevant, 
it's also kind of cool if he succeeds. Also, he just has that kind of random kind of roadkill type name, Brock Purdy. Like he just yeah. sounds like a guy who's never going to amount to anything. Yes, yeah, solid. But he has, and I, that's that's the thing is I've decided, and I do love Patrick Mahomes, and I am I'm pro Chiefs, and I I don't even mind the Taylor Swift shit, but <laughs> I decided from watching the last game because it really was Brock Purdy. It's not that he won the game because there were a lot of other guys who played well. But he did a bunch of things in that second half that were so great to watch. Yeah. And I just became like a Brock Purdy fan. I was just like, you know what? I'm rooting for that guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing would be, of course, now the the Taylor Swift thing has gotten totally politicized. You see Vivek Ramaswamy is claiming there's a conspiracy between the NFL yeah. and Biden and Taylor Swift where the Chiefs will be super th- thrown to the Chiefs. And then Taylor Swift will endorse Biden. But I just, I feel like, I, mean, I feel like when they it. start talking about shit like that, I just like keep going, dude. Just, just, yeah. you know. Oh, for sure. You're just yeah. a dumbass. For sure. <laughs> um, so, but, but look, I would love for her, I'd love for that not to be true in the sense I don't want the NFL to throw it for the Chiefs, but I would love for her endorsement of Biden to be impactful, meaningful. Okay, we were going to talk about so this if, later on in this. So let's get into that. If this sort of helps propel it all forward, great. Now yeah. you're you're. That's enough. By the way, that would be enough for me to pick. If her boyfriend was uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey and it was the Niners, yeah. that would be fine with me too. Like that's it, her helping on that. Either way, to me, is more meaningful than who wins this game. Okay, let's talk about endorsements for a second because your your standard operating position on endorsements is they like don't matter. super overrated. Doesn't yeah. matter. Why does Taylor Swift matter? So I think it matters for a few reasons. So one is, again, and we've been talking about this podcast, and this is not that they're saying this in every podcast, which is <laughs> there's there's six swing states in play, and we're talking maybe 30 counties at most total that matter across those three six states combined, right? So I wonder how many neighborhoods. Right. Mm. Not, but not that many. So so few votes, like I was talking to our friend Jeff Pollock, who's, you know, I would say among, among or maybe the best pollster in the country. I think he called him the best pollster in the yeah, country on this is. podcast. So he said it's as little as 45,000 people that matter. Right. Um, so will any 45,000 of those vote differently because of this? Probably not. I don't I don't think so. Um, but, the, but what she will do, which is different than anyone else, is this will suck up a massive amount of media coverage. And every time, if let's say she gets super involved, she shows up at a rally with Biden, changes the dynamic of it. Like she does an ad, changes the <laughs> you dynamic. You mean it makes it interesting? Yeah. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think that she she can control the earned media narrative to such a large extent that um, uh, what the normal default is just negative for Biden, and she has the ability to make it positive. So. I don't know that a vote actually changes, but I think the campaign and election gets a little easier and better for Biden if she's on his side. The, the one thing, too, is I feel like it gives permission maybe to a lot of other people, you know, well-known people in the country who probably agree with her but are a little weir- like a little like worried about, about stepping on maybe part of their fan base or whatever it is. Yeah. And it just says, like, hey, guys, get a— And she's you know, commercially minded, right? I mean, right. there are people yeah. who are political— but I think most people would say, like, she's a great business person, yeah. in part because she doesn't get that involved in this stuff. So, and she's from the South. So, if if, if she's willing to do it, I, I think that's so right. Does now, it happen? What do you? What's your? Yeah, I think she will. Uh, just because I think that she has to live in this country and in this world, and it's not any better for her than it is for anyone else if this fucking lunatic comes back into office, and and she knows that. Um, so I, I I do think she will. Although of course I don't. Know, know her or know anyone who knows her. So it's not like I have any insight whatsoever. Your daughter is, however, a huge She's fan. a huge fan, yeah. but that's, you know, <laughs> even Ab- Abby doesn't claim to actually like connect with her. Although she did say that when she was at the shows at the MetLife, uh-huh. one time they, they were sitting right She next pointed to, at her? 
she said they, they had eye contact, yeah. Oh, okay. Happy, they were sitting right next to the stage, so it's like not totally impossible, but highly unlikely, I would say. Let me propose one uh, sort of counterpoint, um, which is obviously this will drive Donald Trump completely out of his mind, which is always fun to watch. Um, however, it, he does seem to weirdly draw um, power from the from his perception of being disrespected. Yeah, be, right? he loves to be aggrieved. Yeah, and I mean that was obviously a, a, like well, not obviously, but it's 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 considered to be one of the reasons he ran for president in the first place was that he got mocked by uh, by Obama at the at the uh, at the correspondence dinner. Yeah, yeah. So there's just this kind of thing where I mean it's not that like Donald Trump doesn't want to be president enough anyway but like i just feel like it now he's gives, really gonna try he's really you don't think try. the fact that <laughs> really the main thing keeping it. him out of jail would probably be winning the presidency because then you have a bunch of at least legal questions as to whether or not he can be prosecuted whether or not he can be imprisoned he could order things canceled so like his freedom to a certain extent is dependent upon winning this election his freedom and also just his finances too right i mean like like if he right. so I, I think he's got enough at stake with or without taylor swift right but that's the weird thing about donald trump it still gets him further motivated <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right maybe you're right um okay say one quick thing about ai powered search engine oh just it's a perplexity and um <laughs> It, it, I learned about it because Kevin Roos, who writes a, a tech column for the Times, and by the way, he's, he's a funny writer. Kevin, Kevin Roos like, is great. He's I good. Say, I, like he, he, yeah. he, I actually laugh sometimes when I read he, his writing. I, I think he's one of those. He's he's one of the 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 true like bylines to look out for at the yeah. New York Times. So for he sure. he reviewed this search engine that I never heard of called Perplexity. Um, it's an AI based search engine. So I I downloaded it and upgraded it and all the stuff. And I've literally been using this for two days. Hugo and I texted and said, "Oh, let's use this, and we'll talk about it on the podcast." Um, but I would say what I like about it so far, at least, is it does a great job of summarizing the answer to your question up front rather than you having to click on a bunch of links. So, like, I did a bunch of test runs on some, like, and we'll get to this a little later, but, like, some TV shows that are out or coming out, like, is Mr. and Mrs. Smith a good show, right? And then what it did was it gave me, like, a bunch of reactions from different sources on the web all in one paragraph that had I clicked, clicked on a bunch of links, I wouldn't have sought anything more than what I got from that. And I got it in three seconds as opposed to 45. I'd use that then. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. And by the way, like, yeah. who's rooting for Google? Nobody. Yeah, true. <laughs> right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nobody's rooting for Google. Um, okay, so this is a little theory. Uh, we're, we're just switching around here, by the way. This has nothing to do with AI-powered search engines. Um, presidents who used to be vice presidents are according to your off the cuff analysis so i was sitting on the more I, likely I, I was to in dc on, i was in dc on tuesday okay um what were you doing there uh indigov which one of our portfolio companies oh, had yeah. their annual meeting so okay. I, I spoke at that um and then i was on the acela back okay and maybe because i was in dc i don't know i just like weirdly hit me that like it's like you know what for some reason we think of like i think of biden as lesser than say obama Right now, it's partly because he's not the great intellect that Obama is. He's not a historic figure in the way that Obama is. But I think also because he was subservient to Obama. Right? Obama beat him in the primary. He was the VP for eight years, and you just kind of think of him as like, eh, he's the vice president. He's, and then the, I, he's the backup quarterback. Yeah, he's the back yeah. quarterback. And then I started going through the past of the history of, of VPs who do manage to go on to the presidency, and so Biden very well might lose to Trump. Uh, Bush Sr. lost to Clinton, Ford lost to Carter, 
Um, LBJ had to step aside and couldn't run for re-election. Nixon won in 68, but when he finished being VP in 60 and ran against Kennedy, he lost. Right. Truman barely beat Dewey. And then, and, and so I, it goes on, and I think it's something like 12 VPs have become president and nine have lost their re-election oh. or not been able to do it. And so I think that we just, view, so part of it is, of course, especially if they win right after the president. So Biden's a little different because there was a, a in-between, but usually it's sort of right away. So it's just after 12 years, people are tired of one party in charge and they want the other one. But uh, I think part of it is just we just see them as like lesser and 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 not and as a result, like are just like even if they get elected, it's like begrudging. You're like, eh. And so uh, what I didn't do was a deep dive into to poll numbers to see how those correlate. Right. But, and um, also you didn't like go back into the 19th century like I wanted you to. You could have done that. You, yeah. knew, you knew the topic. <laughs> um, it was your area. But but um, but I, I just wonder if. Uh, and look, it's never going to. Every vice president is still going to run for president and try to become Kamala Harris. At some point, will run for president again, right? That's for sure. But it's like even if they succeed, their odds. If you were like on Bovada betting on sort of like early taking early odds on the reelect, like if they were the VP, I would you should bet against them. So, so a lot of it it seems to be has to do with just the degraded kind of nature of the office, right? Yeah. Like, who respects like, the VP? Nobody. And. Does it have to be that way? Couldn't well. It? So Cheney was probably, I mean, sort of evil, but, but evil, <laughs> but but powerful, <laughs> like right? Like, but no, I mean, no one would say Dick Cheney wasn't incredibly relevant and powerful in that administration, right? No, no, and didn't he run the administration? Yeah, I think right. that was the the view, right? But that's the only VP in my lifetime that I could think of that was truly meaningful. Well, Mondale did was pretty influential with Carter, right? I, yeah, I was too yeah. young to know. He didn't do too well in the presidential election, right. though. Um, but yeah, but like, for example, Pence, on, not until January 6th, Biden, nothing under uh, Obama, Gore, nothing really under Clinton, Quayle, no. Bush was, it's funny, Bush was meaningful senior. Before he became vice president, he had meaningful jobs, like head of the CIA, right. and then became president. Always considered a lightweight, though, I think. Yeah, but but not, I don't think the Reagan cabinet was like, what does Bush think about this? So, <laughs> no. yeah. I no, think, if, if, they, if they ever thought that it was only to do the opposite of what he wanted. Yeah, so Spiro Agnew, I, mean, I don't know. You know, like, I just think generally tough, tough speaking, customer. no, the only one in my lifetime that has sort of been meaningful, for better or worse, is, is Cheney. Okay, so despite all this, almost... Like like almost any national politician or politician who had national aspirations would take the job, though, right? Uh -huh. So, so like, nobody ever like even down. someone who they all who, say who, they will, and they right? Never who do. you widely admire, like like Bloomberg. So Mike might not only because he is somewhat more self aware than the average politician, uh -huh. and he know he hasn't had a boss in fifty years, right? right? Uh, I mean, literally, he got fired from Solomon Brothers, started Bloomberg LP, and has never worked for anyone ever again, right? He may just know himself well enough to say it won't work out, right? right. Uh, but even then, he'll effect, he will know himself well enough to not that he's going to be VP, but to say that, and then still he probably would end he, up he taking might it, do it at anyway. the end right. of the day. Interesting, okay. yeah, because it's just like ultimately it's just that close. The, to the story brass I ring. heard in that in '08, Mike was one of the finalists for McCain. And as I understand it, Mike kept saying, I don't want it, and then Kevin Sheiky, who was Mike's main political advisor. Kept sending in the vetting information. Like, so, you know, but, you know, it's always complicated with Mike and Kevin because there's like this weird plausible deniability like, oh, it was Kevin doing Kevin. And that's true. But sometimes I'm not quite sure if Mike was as unaware of it as he says. Uh, my dad had a saying, uh, probably not original to him, but it's original to him as far as I'm concerned. 
which was uh, don't turn down a job before it's offered. Mark so, Twain said that originally. Oh, is that right? Or Winston Churchill. Oh my God. Oh, you're, those are the two. Those are the, the two people course. that you yeah, always say. If you don't know, it's, it's what about Thomas Jefferson? Uh, I think he's tier two. <laughs> yeah. the, the tier one, if you don't know, it's Churchill or Twain. Okay. Like FDR? I'm telling you. I don't think FDR, just, all he ever did was the one big thing. I feel like there's... Itself, the only right? thing with shows up. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I think it's those two guys are like, they get the majority of the quotes, credit for quotes, whether they said them or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going we're gonna to get back to you on that one. We'll see. Um, okay. You ready? Yeah. Um, next topic. Any reason to think the social media hearings um, in, in front of Congress this week were more than the usual political theaters? Nope. Nope. Okay. Um, <laughs> so look, I, I, you know, it was a great moment of theater when Zuckerberg had to apologize to the, the families, right? I think the families rightfully were all like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, and certainly I think parents... He, he like, looks a lot better than he used to. He Like in his suit and everything, he looks... Well, he's been be working out like PR. crazy. He's but super bulked up. I don't and, even mean just... Like he just... It used to be like he would put on a suit and he would just look like he was wearing a cardboard cut out of a right. suit or something. And now you're like, oh, he's starting to look like yeah, a grown he's up. a grown man. Yeah. You know, um... But um, I, I'm just switching to the important stuff. So, you know, it was it was good in the sense that I but like I don't know any parent that felt like closure or anything because like Zuckerberg apologized in some sort of hollow way. So, look, we know I mean, this is what's so frustrating. It, the members of the committee on both sides of the aisle were all like the solution's fucking obvious. We have to repeal Section 230. Right. I mean, you had like Klobuchar saying that, you had Hawley saying that, and yet it doesn't matter because it doesn't actually go anywhere. So like, for example, I emailed Andrew Gernardis, who was on this podcast a few weeks ago, and he's a state senator in New York who's sponsoring the social media bills here that would help protect kids online. And I said, Andrew, you know, I, I think maybe want to try to leverage the attention of the U.S. hearing for New York, just invite everyone on the committee to do an event with you in New York, either party, and let's just see. I think it's New York. I said, because it's New York. I think some people might show up um, and have them endorse your bill. So I think maybe it can provide a little bit of, like, momentum and, and wind for um, some of the state legislation. But no. I mean, you know, I just think that at the end of the day, if I'm Facebook or whoever it is, I go to Matt Gates and I promise him whatever he wants and he blows it up on the right or whatever equivalence thereof, uh, in either side, and I think you ultimately don't get it done. So these guys going and doing this, it's just like, okay, you're going to have a really bad day. We're going to have like a few days of bad news, and you're like, okay, who cares a shit? Like, you know what's interesting? I wonder this. So, so that, so the normal, I think, view is that, which is like, okay, I'm the CEO of this thing that's under fire. I'm going to have to go get my head handed to me in Congress. That comes with the territory of the job. Just well, like I get I get. paid $50 million exactly. a year or more. However, after the university presidents, yeah. I wonder if more people are going to be like, fuck no, I don't care Like, if you subpoena me or not. You know, I'll claim the Fifth Amendment if I need to or whatever. But like, I, there is no upside. And these people all destroyed their careers by testifying in front of Congress. And I'm not doing it. But they, on the other hand, they, they obviously got the big guys up there. So They uh, did. And, and I guess maybe some of it is because maybe like Meta's GR team was like, yeah, Mark, if you don't show up, our ability to protect 230 decreases right. by 9% or whatever. I don't quite know. But overall, I just got to imagine that after seeing the defenestration of three very prominent people or two and one sort of hanging on, um, 
after sort of a disastrous testimony before Congress, I wonder if that's going to change the willingness to appear. I think it's probably good for what's his name from Snap to be up there since like I'd completely forgotten about Snap and Spiegel. Yeah. yeah, although you know Snap's weird because you're my my kids use it as like a regular messaging tool. Yeah, not with me, but seems, with other kids. It seems to come and go. To but, yours? But, yeah, they, I mean, they have used. They do. Snap. When you say regular messaging, like tool, that's what does how that mean? I think Lyle and Abby talk to their friends on Snap. Like they text. Yeah. But I think it's, on Snap. But I think Snap is the medium that they use for communication. What is the difference though with like iMessage? Not sure. Okay. Um, I think, I think I, there's, there's just like some a, cool little tools. Yeah. There's like a Snap Maps thing. That, so like for example, oh, I love the Snap Maps. Right. We, we can see where all oh the kids God. are. Yes. You know, I don't we, know any of this. So you can see where all the kids are. So like when we go, actually, I like when we're on vacation somewhere. Yeah. It's like, oh, is anyone else in Japan right now? Yeah. And then you who's kinda, in India? Yeah. Like we well, we were in London <laughs> once, and like Lala's friend Ishan was literally around the corner. Like you this, know, the Snap Map uh, is cool. That's they, cool. They, they, yeah. That's cool. So, so that's cool. cool. They, they have little cool little avatars, and you can see where everyone lives and shit. My kids, I ask to see it every now and then, and the kids are like, "Dad, that's creepy." They're looking where the kids are. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "Well, it's not like I want to know where the individual like I'm trying to track." No, I want to see what this is. The distribution is for Spring Break. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that's a good one. You can really yeah. just tell. But like, but it's funny. Snap is. And Laurel's kids actually asked her to get it, and she does use Snap with them. And she's such a youngish person. She is, and she, but she's big into <laughs> gifts and memes and all that stuff. And so she's like the the queen of that stuff. So you know, I, I think my kids would be horrified if I tried to snap with them. But Laurel's, you know, she's cool enough to pull it off. You don't ever use emojis, do you? No. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you've ever. Uh, uh, with my sister, I use the poop emoji. <laughs> Just an irritator? Like no, the, just because that's the relationship we have. Interesting. We won't go into that. Um, <laughs> Peter Thiel, yeah. um, referred to here in the New York Post headline as a billionaire, um, uh, apparently is getting behind a new Olympics where there's no restrictions on sort of drug use. I think that's just, awesome. You like that? Well, just like, I, I like weird shit. Just like this, I like... This, this feels like the like Bradley 2006 kind of idea. Like the Operation Sandwich of Olympics? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like... Just like I liked your your you know three extra point concept. Right. Um, look, I have for a while, and I, I've written about this publicly, made the argument that baseball should allow steroids um, because the case that I made was, and I still think this, the cheaters are always a step ahead of the uh, of the referees in this case, right? The technology always improves, and so you're in this constant cat and mouse game. And, you know, to a certain extent, it, the maybe the best way to level the playing field is like, fuck it, do whatever you want. You may be putting your long-term health at risk. That's your choice. Um, but if you want to take steroids, take steroids. Um, and do you think there's and, anything? And, and, and no, not I, banned. I, 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 I do kind of, I kind of agree with that. And I also, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the argument that the that all these steroid guys should be in the Hall of Fame because you're like, if everybody was using it, should we just single out the guys who yeah. happen to be really good at it? <laughs> like you know, like. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny on that on that Larry David Bill yeah, Simmons they talked about right. It. The distinction is right. So it. it some of the more prominent, so Clemens, Bonds, A-Rod, Manny Ramirez, Rafael Pomero, I put them all in because they were all Hall of Fame level players right. with or without steroids. You have guys, like they mentioned, Brady Anderson right. as the But example. he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame anyway. No, he just had but, one big but year. you have guys that had big years, they got like big contracts and stuff right. because of steroids. So, but no, overall, like I would find something on their plaque to sort of put a black mark against it. Or by the way, have you been to, you've been to the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, you could like, have a different room. 
I'm just I saying, like, steroids room. Yeah, this is a steroids room, or this Droid. is this is the sort of Droid Hall room. of Fame and shame. You could put Ty Cobb in there. You could put Pete Rose in there. You know, it, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I don't like that, but I, I I see I see it as a I see it as a good the Hall of Shame. Just call it that. But it's like really good players who fucked up. Yeah. Well, but the interesting well, why thing is, why don't you open a Hall of no, Shame? Because I already tried the Hall of Very Good Players, and that failed. <laughs> but you want you, what you should do is you should put it in a really crappy town near Cooperstown, like a really sad, like economic <laughs> development. For, exactly. Yeah. Really, really fucked up, and make it really low grade. Like you know, Let's see if anybody comes. Well, people would come. It just don't oh, give them any ideas. What a good idea. Charge like a two dollar no. mission. Like two dollars, no. and no. just have like one employee. <laughs> All right, man, can you get, get on this? Um, they just sit out Hugo, there with a gun. Hugo, I'm coming for you. <laughs> like, um, okay, so you like Peter Thiel's idea. Um, yeah. We already talked about endorsements. I sent you this thing. I think you had a good answer to it. There was like a like a, a kind of, um, what's the right word? Uh, Popery. <laughs> Popery. A kind of statement or a manifesto <laughs> called How to Do Things If You're Not That Smart and Don't Have Any Talent that kind of went around the internet mm-hmm. that, I, that I really liked. It was... It was basically just a, a, a an admonition to like make yourself super fucking useful and 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 like kind of like yeah, be an overachiever I mean, I, at work, regardless of. I mean, the way were... that I read it is the same thing that I think the three of us sort of agree with and talk about a lot, which is just at the end of the day, some of the traditional things that are highly valued, like IQ and academic pedigree, are wildly overrated, and some of the things that are undervalued, like just knowing how to get shit done, um, is actually much more important. Um, and I, to me, that was the essence of what this thing ultimately said. Yeah, no, it re- it's really cool to read though because I think it's like a. Where can people find it? Um, the, it's on it's on Substack. The guy is. Um, it's funny. It's, I'm looking it up right now. Um, it's on Substack. If you if you search how to do things, if you're not um, if you're not that smart. Um, and we can include it in the episode yeah, we'll link. Put it in the episode. Yeah. So look at there the summary. So the the uh, anyway, it's 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 kind of the thing. I kind of wanted to just have my kids read it. Not that they ever would like. I mean, they might look at it for just a second, like but they weren't going to. But just and my kids have pretty good work habits, and they're not. It's not like I'm trying to get them to do things that that they're just not re- actually doing. But it is like this. Um, I, I I think in like one of my girls is like trying to start this rock club, rock band club. It's and I was like, the key to it is just have something to work on and do every time and you jump in and do it regardless of what anyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And don't worry about like, you just can take care of like what you can do and what you can control, which is like, and also you'd be amazed at how much one person can achieve. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's right. It was interesting in that Abby got a report card and it was, it was pretty good. Very good. And, um, I had listened to Adam Grant on Derek Thompson's podcast a couple of months ago Grant was making the argument that your second semester, so this was her first semester, but her second, right. your second semester senior senior year grades are actually the actual, the best predictor of success, even though what colleges look at is the first three years, according to Grant and his research. Do we believe his research? Uh, yeah. Not that Adam smart Grant's guy. a phony. I have, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Just he's a social but scientist. But do you remember how you did at the end of high school? No like recollection. That, okay, but yeah. but um, it's like the evidence. but nonetheless, it's we were a, shotgunning beers in Central Park. No, but yeah. you know, here's here's why, right? So like Abby, who is an incredibly smart and intellectual kid, but not like a passionate student, right. right? Like you know, you go into her room and she's doing something interesting, like writing a short story or painting or drawing an architectural sketch. It's not necessarily the thing she's supposed to be doing for her homework, but it's something interesting. The fact that she is at 17 and a half, 17, 17 and a half, all of a sudden sort of clicking in a little bit and saying like, okay, 
I'm going to take these responsibilities. By the way, she's into college, right? So it's not like yeah. she needs to. Um, I, I, so maybe the idea is, you know, how you perform because it is not some ex 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 external motivation, but something more intrinsic. Maybe that's sort of the difference. Yeah. Bradley, you have a couple of TV recommendations. Yeah, I'm going to do a quick survey and have okay. Megan here is perfect because we have this conversation all the time, which okay. is, um, so there's like six shows or so out right now that uh, I've been watching a lot of TV. Uh, I'm just going to kind of go through them, whether I like them or not, and you tell me what you think. So okay. first, True Detective, I, I really like it. Okay, so I will admit I haven't watched it yet because I heard it's all night, like constantly. Yeah. There's no daylight. That to me is very <laughs> you, trippy. You're like, allowed to watch it by the time if you want. No. <laughs> But the, how do you follow the story if they're never, you know? Yeah. Funny. Did you listen to her though? The director was on the watch. Uh, she was great. I forgot her name. She's, she's from Mexico. Uh, I, she was fantastic. Um, it's a little horror-y. It's a little supernaturally. Okay. But I think it's really good. I love Jodie Foster. She's been great. Uh, I, you know, um, it's funny. True Detective season one was amazing. Yeah. And then... Season two was like a joke. I know. And, and then I didn't watch three because two was so bad. So I'm kind of glad that I'm at least back into it again. Well, that's the thing. I feel like because the second one was not good, that it kind of turned people off to the franchise. Like yeah. coming back. I don't know how many people. But I'll watch it now. Yeah. Right. But it's also because okay. you now you have we'll a different, different showrunner, different director, different stars, all the stuff. So yeah. anyway, I think that's been really good. Um, the Expats, which is the newest Nicole Kidman vehicle. I've been hearing all about so it. So I've watched the first two episodes, I think the third drop last night. Um, it, it's pretty good. It's sort of like Nicole Kidman always plays the same character on TV. You know, this sort of like mysterious, wealthy, slightly sad. It's set in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. In the, I don't know anything about it. Like 2000. In, New York, in the, whatever, the, what was the whole Umbrella Revolution thing in Hong Kong? Like, mid-teens yeah 2015 something like that yeah. so that's okay. that's when it's set um so i thought the first episode was pretty bad i thought the second episode was better uh, i'm definitely so you, gonna watch so you, you the watched third. the first one it was pretty bad and you kept going i, I did just because like i had read the book okay. and i liked it okay. so um so i was like and, and i nicole kidman's a great actor so i'm like let me just give it another shot all right um so my kind of suspicion is the episode three, which I'll watch this weekend, will be pretty good and it'll get better and better. If episode three goes back to episode one, I'm, I'm out. But uh, I'm still kind of hopeful for it. Okay. I got so confused by the trailer. Like, I actually had no idea. You know when you watch trailers yeah. and you just don't know what the story actually is, but... Uh, Death and Other Details on Hulu. Have you tried that yet? No. So that's the Mandy Potemkin show. Keep in mind, I've, I've been traveling a lot. So, I heard that so, wasn't that good. No, no, uh, It's amusing, okay. I would say. I've I've kind of enjoyed it. Um, I don't like, I think I'm not caught up, so I'm, I'm not like r rapidly like on top of it, but m Entertaining? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I watched Griselda on Netflix. Oh my God, Chantel has been begging me to watch that. So she liked it. Yeah, she loved huh. it. But I wonder if it's a gender thing. Um, you don't like it. I didn't dislike it. I, it was like female Scarface over six TV episodes as opposed to one that movie. That sounds fun, though. It, yeah, it was pretty. It was fun. So, so lots of machine guns. Yeah, and all, coke all, and all that yeah. stuff. It yeah. took Miami, all the same right. stuff. It was fun. It just was like so predictable in the sense that like every episode I could have told you exactly what was going to happen before the episode happened. And it, it never deviated from that, really. Okay. So... Um, there's no like, yeah. It, yeah. So, so, Never took a twist in any way. Okay. So when you're traveling, you'll just put this on your on your iPad and then yeah. ba bang out three episodes on the on the flight to Chicago or whatever. Flight or or you know like whole, like when I was in Chicago the other week, I had dinners every night, but they all kind of ended. They were all early, so about right. like eight eight thirty, I was back in my room. Right, not drinking. So like not drinking, right? <laughs> right. So a couple hours of 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 then. So um, 
where I had that like long three and a half hour car ride to and from Iowa City. So I, I banged out some TV on that. Oh, yeah. Did you take a, but you weren't driving, obviously. I took an Uber. I oh. was supposed to fly. How much does an Uber cost from Chicago to Iowa City? Uh, with the tip, it was about 900 Is uh, that the most expensive Uber you've ever taken? That's got to be. Have you ever taken Maybe. an Uber across? I've done like New York to Philly. I don't know what no, that was. No, that's cheaper. That's definitely cheaper. Probably cheaper. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a Hartford to New York I've done. That was pretty far. Hmm, yeah. Um, so I don't know. But so, yeah, it was it was up there. And then um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith just dropped yesterday. Yesterday? Okay. Gotta it looks, it. that's the Donald Glover show. Yeah, I, I love Donald really Glover. I was going to say. I the love reviews that. are really good. It looks really good. And then the final one that got terrible reviews, so I think I will not watch it. Is the FX uh, the Truman Capote versus the Swans? It looks very boring. Yeah, that's what that. But the, don't they always rip the Ryan Murphy shows? Like they get terrible but I critical like the, response. The OJ one. The OJ one was did. incredible. The OJ one was really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. It was. It was kind of yeah, excellent. You know, but, but I mean, he the, makes the, a shit ton of television, right. and, and a lot I mean, of it is not good. The yeah. cast <laughs> is like super all star <laughs> in this thing. Yeah. You know, but um. But the story itself just looks. I'm so very boring. afraid of being bored. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, talk about like things like Truman. Capote, like what? I mean, I don't know. This doesn't interest yeah. me at all. No, but you have kind of like a New York history thing. He's part of New York. You're history. very picky about TV. So, well, my I think we've talked about it on the pod here. But my this is I've stuck to it. All I do new shows, I only watch the first one of each season. I don't watch anymore. And I and I just and it, even, even if, if I, you like it. I mean, I guess there have been a couple of cases, you know, like the bear, because you mm-hmm. were you you and part of it was that you were also so enthusiastic yeah. about it. And I you watched Succession. And I, and I we ju- talked about it. I time. jumped on it right right after like the bear and Succession. So yeah, there are some exceptions, but by and large, I will watch the first episode only. And, and if I do love it, I will watch it. But it has to, it's it, that's how high it has to be. Do you, do you know, like, do you know what you're like right. a little bit, and what? you're going to laugh at this? Okay. Oh God, well, go you're ahead. like the character in Metropolis who's like, oh, I don't read books, I just read literary criticism. <laughs> you remember that? that I don't that, remember that, but it's, that had to be a meaningful movie version. for you but, well, in your in your uh, <laughs> becoming re- a man. I, I do I do I do like that movie, but I haven't seen it in such a long time. That, no, um, but it must, when it, when it happened because like, you know you grew up in yeah, Manhattan. No, it's actually exactly the same time, right? I feel yeah. like that was, you know, that was you. Yeah, they they made like this. You sort of, like, you're missing side. out. You're missing out, though. Yeah, there's and a lot of good TV. Well, it's but a little the, depressing. But I, I, here's the thing: is I don't, I don't, I actually don't feel like I'm missing out because I do it a little bit as a kind of like I just think about what they would do. So I don't, I don't like, like how you would write the show. Yeah, like I just think of like okay, I see where the che- the pieces are on the board, and like, and then I usually find that if I do that. I'm not actually interested to see what so, they did. So also, given that you've been through the process of Hollywood, both on the TV and movie side, are you like disillusioned? Like, you know how the sausage is made? So no, the no, kind of I, way I am in like legislatures or whatever? I don't, I don't think quite as much as that. But I do think I, I had this realization, which is not like earth shattering, but it kind of felt that way to me at the time, which is that what each episode of TV is, is like an advertisement to watch the next one. And I just was like, "Fuck that!" And so I, I, and I really you just jump around randomly. Well, episode around seven, randomly. episode two. Well, it, like that, <laughs> or or it really it made me really appreciate movies more because I'm like, I'm just it's just this. Mm. I mean, obviously but the problem, at least for, for me with yeah. movies, is now like my attention span is too short. Yeah. yeah. And so I find like when I looked at the movies that got nominated for best picture. I didn't really like any of them because of the ones that I saw. I saw maybe half of them, right? Because they all just felt too slow. Like even the holdovers, which everyone's supposed to love, I thought it was fucking boring. 
That's yeah. another one that I'm avoiding for the exact same reason. It was reason. boring. It yeah. just I'm just looks... amazed how much people like that because I thought it was okay, but I agree, kind of boring. And also like, you're like, we've been in that world so many times. You're like, something crazy has got to happen to kind of redeem nothing, this. Yeah. And nothing, nothing crazy. that crazy happened. No, or like, like pa past lives. You guys see that one? I've been meaning to. Uh, you did see it? I didn't see it. No, I, I tried it. I literally kept watching thinking. You didn't like it? No. Okay. And I kept thinking Thanks. like, Something good must be about to happen because how could it get such good reviews? But it did. It didn't. No. Yeah. I mean, forget about fucking Killers of the Flower Moon, which was just. Oh my god. Now look, I thought I th Oppen on the flip side, yeah. Oppenheimer held me the entire three and a half hours. I had fun. that, and and by the way, well, Lyle, you know, was a kid and teenager, and held him completely too. Well, he, li thought, he likes history. I, I thought Oppenheimer was good. I just simply could not understand why they did the whole second half of the movie not about him but about Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Like I couldn't understand it, and. <laughs> It also was it was also slightly off-putting to me that the guy so Robert Downey Jr.'s sort of adversary, like in the hearing room, is that I think he's Australian, the, yeah, who was the actor from Zero Dark Thirty, who is a very good actor, but he was exactly like his character in Zero Dark Thirty. I couldn't get over it. He was also <laughs> it's funny, you know, so sometimes you, you see a movie or a TV show, especially a movie where you're like not supposed to pull out your phone, right? You know, like who the, I know that guy. Who the fuck is that guy? So I did that all through Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of and like actors that you know. He that. was on a show that I think was not that successful, but it was like Cops in Chicago. Okay, and it was really good. Um, and one of the reasons I liked it was in like the show montage, the opening, Blagojevich was in it as like the corruption <laughs> and like bad, you know. So I always found that very so you just had amusing, a little, a little, like weird But like I also, I also didn't know his his name, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that guy was 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 very good though. Megan, were you upset that Barbie didn't get nominated? Yes, uh, Barbie. Yeah. I actually wasn't. I have no uh, negative feelings towards Barbie. I think it made a lot of people really happy. I just didn't find the movie to be all that entertaining for me. Like I saw Oppenheimer, maybe this was the mistake. I saw Oppenheimer before Barbie in that whole mm -hmm. weekend. And uh, by the time that I saw Barbie, I just thought it was, it was cute. It's clever. But I, I actually think that the women that were nominated um, in the Oscars were actually, you know, all, I forget the woman's name, um, the one from Killers of the Flower Moon, who's uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Lily she's the, Gladstone. Yeah, like she's the first indigenous person to be nominated. And I was I more upset, like, why is the media... For any of them. <laughs> yeah. like... No, I know. But I'm yeah. saying, like, if we're going to get upset about Barbie, there are people that were nominated that have, you know, that that's impressive. And sure. I just felt that it overshadowed that. Jason Clark is the name of the actor. Jason Clark, yeah. And it, he really is. He's very good. He's, <laughs> he's in one of the Planet of the Apes, the... Um, which was a, a good one, too. Um, anyway, he's a good actor. All right. I think this episode has run its course. Yeah, I think it has. See you All next right. week, See Bradley. Thanks. Bye. Firewall is recorded on the Lower East Side of PNT Network, home to New York City's only free podcast recording studio. Let us know if you have a question, feedback, or ideas for a guest. Just email me at bradley at firewall.media or find me on Twitter, or some people now call it X, at Bradley Tusk. And don't forget to pre-order my debut novel, Obvious in Hindsight, wherever books are sold, especially here at PNT Network.